Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are logged in on YouTube, don't forget to click that like button and click that subscribe button and smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, just check out our YouTube channel or the YouTube channel of the CMS Network. And if you'd like to download audio versions of the show, just Google Talking Into Infinity Podcast. Let me bring on my very good friend and esteemed co-host, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. I, I call you esteemed, but I think I'm the one that's esteemed right now, considering seconds before we went live, I knocked over my green screen shattering two incredibly rare shot glasses the only two on my shelf by the way so i was throwing a fit when we locked on <laughs> you're like hey what's up and i'm busy dropping expletives like it's my job <laughs> so, what were the, what were those shot glasses that broke so it was my band gatlin uh we had put out a line of shot glasses which there was only one run of them and so you can't get it anymore so it's gone so there goes that uh i had one of them and then the other one was a van halen shot glass that god i got over 20 years ago as a gift and i can't find that anywhere so basically irreplaceable stuff so that was really good on my part so uh you know we both uh, had a wonderful evening i was telling you we paid 30 dollars to have someone cut the nails on my dog's hind legs at least that's all we could get and, uh, jill and i both have like if, if one of us ends up murdered tonight like oh wow they're gonna, they're gonna blame the other person because like you got def defensive wounds all over you, you know? <laughs> defensive like, wounds both, both of our both of us have these all over our hands it's like oh my god yeah our dog is just he's he's a spaz yeah it's it's crazy like he'll literally he's up and down, he's down for anything at all but when he knows it's gonna be his nails he's like nope <laughs> he's like literally like at one point his mouth was so far open and his incisors canine ciders out so wide it literally looked like the poster for like alien like, <laughs> coming out, nice. like you know the full one where it's like the stuff is oozing out the set of sweat or whatever secretions are coming out the side and the full two sets of teeth are out like that's that's seriously what it looked like in his eyes man i was like black as the devil's eyes you know like i, th I thought i thought my dog was bad she's terrible getting her nails clipped Oh wow. man dude yeah this well, is full-blown cujo the omen you know you name it well, sp speaking of omens, hopefully this is a good omen because we got a full chat here. So Chris Moran is checking us. Hey, guys, what's up? How are you? Oh, How's nice. the Dream Theater train going? Good to see you, Chris. Motley Crew Junkie Kyle tuning in. Good to see you, man. First timer. Hello, guys. Good to see you. 
Uh, oh, our good friend Chastity checking in. Hello, all. Missed the last month of lives, but finally have a chance to hop on. Good nice. to see you, Chastity, always. And Dan Russell. So what's up, fellas? Hello from Philly, PA area. Oh, Philly. He, he's, he's, got a, he's got a horse in the a horse in the race on Sunday for the Super Bowl. Nice. All right. Now, what I'm, are your I, Super Bowl plans? Uh, I don't have any because I really don't give a crap. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm rooting for Philly because I'm so sick and tired of Patrick Mahomes. But uh, yeah. my 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 uncle lives in Philly. He's a big fan, so I I have a rooting interest there. So I'll you know, if they win, I'll be happy. So I don't want to tell be... you that I have people coming over because then they're going to be upset I didn't invite you. But you're not going to drive no. all the way out here anyway. So <laughs> no, <laughs> now that you're going to be on house, you're never going to leave anyway. Dad, like, yeah, right. Like people can come here. <laughs> Look like, at this. All right, Robert Reams is checking in. Good to see you, buddy. Says, what's up? Checking in. Holy Sam God. Mathis, first time live. Glad to be here. Good to see you, Sam. Thanks for tuning in. Do these so, people uh, know what the show is actually about tonight, or is everyone just happened to be on? <laughs> I did forget to put a description. Oh. I just realized, as, as the video was rolling, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't put the description in there. So, How many um, are going to lose once they find out? Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> I, I was a little rushed. I was busy. Uh, I was busy breaking things before we, we got live here. So uh, we were supposed to have a special guest host tonight. Our good friend Chris Aiken, who runs the CMS Network, was going to jump on with us to do this episode. Uh, unfortunately, he threw his back out. So he is lying in bed and has been for the last two days. So he will not be making it. Uh, Gibson Les Paul, I haven't seen you in a bit. He says, what's the topic? Uh, how, the topic is how you're wrong on most of your takes on the show, Gibson. Just stick around. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Good to see you, man. So... What we are doing tonight is kind of, a, uh, for those of you guys who haven't tuned in before, this is kind of a continuing series of shows that we do. Um, basically, we pick a year that a Dream Theater album came out, and we figure, what would we buy that year if we were not allowed to buy the Dream Theater album? So going in chronological order, we are on 1995. So that, of course, would be the release date, or release year, I should say, of the phenomenal EP, A Change of Seasons. So we each picked eight albums that we would buy if we walked into the record store and were told, nope, you can't buy A Change of Seasons. So after throwing a complete hissy fit that we weren't able to buy the kick-ass new Dream Theater EP, uh, the, these, these are the albums that we chose. So before we get going, you and I were emailing, and you said that you had two on your list that you guess that I had on my list. Correct. So don't don't bring those up right off the bat because I want to get to the end, like the last two, and see if you got them correct, and then we can discuss those more at length. Because if, if if they're the ones I think that you picked, we've got more comments on those than the others, I would guess. Okay, so no red hot chili peppers. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I would like to start the show off with a factoid. When okay. I was looking up albums, did you know that the band Finger Eleven, you know, they have the of Paralyzer fame. Did you yes. know that their original name was Butt Monkeys? No. And their debut album came out in 1995 under the moniker Butt Monkeys. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Not that anybody gives a shit about Finger Eleven. I know I don't, but I just figured I'd bring that. Well, so, uh, before you know. we get to the uh, to the music, I, I always like to do the movies real quick. There was like a crap sure. load of really good dramas. So we had Dead, okay. Man, Walk, Dead Man Walking. So okay. You saw that, right? Um, Apollo 13. Oh, favorite movies. Me here too. 
or me as well. Uh, that was great uh, English on me my here part. Too. <laughs> me here too. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the last good movie Robert De Niro made, Heat, totally underrated, great movie. You ever see that? Yeah, didn't like uh, it at all, but please continue. Really? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Casino, that's a classic. Seven, love that movie. Yeah, what's in the box? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> California, stay away from here. <laughs> Crimson Tide. I like submarine movies. Do you like? Did you like that one or no? I don't think I've seen that one. Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. That's good. Um, okay. And like a movie that's like fitting nowadays. It still kind of holds up. Outbreak. Always. Oh, that's one of those when it's on. I'm like, I better watch this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I saw that one either. Dustin Hoffman, uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. No. I've actually never seen a Dustin Hoffman movie all the way through. Well, okay. Well, I recommend yeah, it's, it's Outbreak weird. if you're looking for one. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I, but one I did not mention. One of the greatest movies of all time. This is the set behind me. Oh boy! Okay. Oh, is it, it's Waterworld. <laughs> it's Kevin Costner's Waterworld. I saw. I saw that at the drive-in. It was putrid. The most expensive movie ever made at the time, and it was god awful. That was one of those where you're like, okay, is it going to be as bad as everyone said? And then you wait and watch the video, and you're like, no, it's no, it's worse. You know? Yeah, it's really terrible. Like the guy who's yeah. in like literally the number one like non regular tv show like right now yellowstone did Waterworld. Like, yeah <laughs> i don't know if you've seen yellowstone i love yellowstone but uh not a fan of that either i tried but didn't grab me uh, oh really but yeah Waterworld. uh so yeah that's where we were movie wise but uh yeah i was this one because it was kind of rough man usually we're like let's get 10 and like we were both like man i don't know if i can find 10 <laughs> yeah i have i like basically half my list is stuff that i really really like and the others are kind of like things that i, I enjoy and it, but it's kind of like you get through it in like a full listen because it's the the songs are somewhat similar to each other. Um, so we, we got a few choices in the chat. Gibson Les Paul says, uh, "Motorhead Sacrifice, easy for me." Dan Russell says, "1995, damn." How about Skid Row, Subhuman Race, or Van Halen, Balance? Both good selections there. Okay, now I'm mad because Sacrifice did not come up when I was looking at lists, and I actually have that CD and I love it, but it's like did not come up on metal and rock one that's weird i didn't i didn't even, i don't even look up metal and rock i just look up albums that are well know. i look i look up like i do that and then i just do pop then i do right like i try to do them all because that sort of gives you everything but that's weird that did not come up okay uh kravis checking in has been listening for the po- listening to the podcast for some months now thanks for checking it out man uh so what's today's episode about well you're about to find out krav <laughs> because in a second, Brian is going to give the first of his choices for albums he would buy in 1995 if he was told he cannot buy A Change of Seasons. So did you rank, first of all, real quick, before you get to your first choice, did you rank yours again? Because I don't. They're not really. I kind of put the top ones at the top, and we, and I'm thinking those might be yours too, so I'll save okay. those till the end. Uh, I okay. ended up with one more. I have nine, so. Okay, that's ended fine. ended up with one I couldn't leave us. So I'll put it. Uh, so number nine, if you want me to start out. Yeah uh white zombie astro creep 2000 okay this was the record that just totally i think launched rob zombie's career through the roof um you know he was coming off of the sexercisto and that that was huge but this is the one that i think got him to sort of borderline arena stadium level festivals all that kind of thing and uh you know starts out with electric head it's got all those great chugging kind of riffs you know and the cool little sci-fi things in there um you know of course the big single more human than human i mean you know, yep. i mean how can you not love it like is is you know 
like his song titles are just ridiculous you know blood milk and sky grease pain and monkey brains you know i mean it's like i forgot what's the one phantasmo and the chicken run something black i forgot what it's blast off i think it's called like it's just i don't even know where he comes up with this stuff it's like does he just drop acid and start doing it you know or what or come up with these songs that's what I was thinking. I mean, like that new record of his is like it's got that ungodly long title and all those. Oh, yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> like yeah, it's like he, it's almost like he just picks a whole bunch of words that he likes, yeah. like like a hundred of them, puts them in a pile and throws them up. And where they land is what the song title is. So, so like the only thing I will say that was a little weird about this year, too, uh, probably on about half of my list. Like these are good albums. But by the time I get. Two thirds of the way through, I'm kind of done. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's more of a taste thing. Like, you know, Rob Zombie and White Zombie is kind of a, I don't want to say one trick pony, but they have a definite thing that they do. And it's like, okay, once I get seven, eight songs of it, personally, I don't need 12, 13, 14. Yeah. You know, I, and that's what so, I came up with a lot of stuff on this list. I, I kind of have the same thing. I'm glad that you mentioned that because the ones that I like are not like the ones I'm like, yeah, I, I blast these all the time. Like, it's kind of like that. Like there, there's a, there's a tinge of repetition in there. Um, Beginning with uh, the first one on my list. Again, I'm, I'm saving my top two for last, but uh, I have uh, an album that was released on Valentine's Day of 1995. It's Five O'Clock Somewhere by Slash's Snake Pit. Um, th- uh, Slash's first solo album, and it's very, man, it's definitely a blues influenced album. A lot of the slow kind of groovy things that he kind of he still has in in his repertoire but he doesn't do it nearly as much now he's much more straight ahead rock i think this one was very like dirty blues and kind of southern bayou sounding at times and um i i, I really like i'm a huge fan of slash I, I love his playing i've seen him live many times and he he never disappoints um there's some great songs on here dime store rock is a good one uh do, uh what do you want to be soma city ward is cool i've always been a huge fan of beggars and hangers on that was like the main single from the record and that song kicks ass and, which is weird because i don't usually like like the jangly slide guitar but there's a lot of that in here and i think i can safely say that it's the only song that i like that features slide guitar so um but I think the other thing about this to me is that it's got great production, especially for 1995. Like it's just a raw, but clean, just hard guitar rock production. And it, it sounds fantastic. It's a great sounding record. So um, yeah, so, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere by Slash's snake pit. I, are you familiar with it at all? I am. I cannot believe you actually like the singer on that album. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> the past. So they went and took the guitar player, if I remember this right, from Jellyfish. Isn't he the singer? If, oh, if I'm, that's, I'm like 99. You may be right. Sure that's right. So they didn't get the singer from Jellyfish because that would never fit what Slash does. I understand that. Yeah. But yeah, I this is one of those I went back to a few times, and I don't know. I just something about the guy's voice just never uh, just never grabbed me. I kind of like it. It's it, he's basically screaming. Yeah, and I kind I kind of dig it. So. I, I don't I don't mind it. So, it's, you know, it's it's definitely not, I would say, on par with Miles Kennedy or Slash to be or excuse me, Axl Rose, to be sure. But I, th- I think it's cool. You know, and he kind of fits the music and everything. It's just a dirty vibe. It's a dirty record. I like it. Now, did you get this like right out of the gate or was it a few years afterwards or? No, I got it right out of the gate. Okay. Um, It's it's not my favorite. I mean, if I had to pick a Slash record, it would probably be 
either apocalyptic, apocalyptic love or world on fire. Um, but I mean, this is good, you know, especially again, if you're into the more blues side of things, yeah. then, you know, uh, man, we got a lot of choices here in the chat. So we have uh, Robert Reams says Bone Thugs and Harmony, East 1999 Eternal. I would argue their best album. Uh, Gibson Les Paul, Gamma Ray, Land of the Free. Uh, Dan Russell says, I forgot Ultraphobic by Warrant, the last released by them with Janie Lane, an often overlooked singer and songwriter. Uh, Gibson Les Paul also says, Blind Guardian, Imaginations from the Other Side. My favorite band. Uh, Travis Snyder says, two good albums so far, not great, but good. Rough year, LOL. <laughs> well, you never know, man. It, it, it might get better, Travis. So just, you know, you'll stick with us here. We, we still have plenty to go. <laughs> so Talk about that Warrant album for a second. Um, I've heard a lot about, like, some of these other later Warrant albums and check them out. I, I tried, and I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I, It's good. I, I, I was never, like, a huge Warrant guy. You know, everybody says that Janie Lane is this brilliant song. All my friends that knew, like, a lot of my friends knew him. And, like, he's a great songwriter. Like, everyone talk, talks about Mr. Rainmaker or whatever. I'm like, okay, it's good. Right. I, I don't I don't hear brilliance. But, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, Ultraphobic was the more grungy one, if I remember right. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. That's not my cup of tea. But, um, Kale McLeish with our first mistake of the evening. I was going to say says, that. There's no yeah. way that's correct. We would have had that in there. Yeah. He says, I'll go Megadeth Euthanasia. No, I, I'm I'm sorry, Kale. That was on uh, 1994. But you were one. So you were, you were close, but you were off by one year there, man. So, um, Well, Australia is always like one year behind. Though, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. The toilets flush the wrong way and everything. Um, uh, Kale's in a Megadeth mindset anyway. He got tickets to go see him, and he, they're the last of the big four that he hasn't seen. So, oh, okay. So he's he's pumped up for that. Um, all right. So, what do you have next on your list? I have a band that probably no one's heard of. We'll see. It's called Teenage Fan Club. Uh, they have roughly nine, ten-ish albums. This is, I believe, album number three or four. There was about okay. a three album swing in the '90s. It's they're from Scotland. And it's what some people call like shoegazing music, I guess. They used, yeah. They used to call it power pop. It's like very 60s-ish with these harmonies layered upon layer, but it's everything's really kind of slow and mid-tempo and, and sort of acidy. It's almost like uh, if you took a, a classic 60s band like the Birds or or uh, Everly Brothers or Badfinger and, you, and they were all just completely on acid and you turned up their amplifiers, you know, to, <laughs> to get some get a nice fuzz in there, you know. Uh, I just I don't know I love it. It just it's just really it's almost like a, a dark Beach Boys I guess if you will you know like a dark heavy dark heavy jangly type Beach Boys and uh, they just have some cool fun like every song is usually like three and a half minutes you know they got you know just big giant melodies and uh, be one of those f- bands if I ever got a chance to see them I'd jump at it. So how did you discover a dark Beach Boys sounding band? <laughs> Um, I believe I'm trying to think one of my roommates, I think had their previous album somehow. And I was like, man, what is this? This is really good. And then the next two they came out with, they, it's one of those bands that came out with like three albums in four years, like, which is kind of, they don't really do that sort of stuff anymore. Most, you know, most bands. And uh, I just, every time a new one came out, I was like, whoa, this is really cool. You know? Okay. And I think, um, what, what was the old, was it 92, three that used to be the end when it, the alternative station, they might have got a song or two on there. Okay. Um, I can never remember. No, it was 1079. Yeah, I was, was going to say 1079. 1079.92.3 was Extreme Radio. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so they got one or two songs on there. Um, but 
yeah, just, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's a really, really cool song called Metal Baby on one of their other albums. And it's like, it's basically about just taking this chick to a heavy metal concert, but he's sling, singing in this slow, like, <laughs> kind of boring, annoying sort of a voice, you know, if you hate this kind of music. But I think it's, I think it's brilliant to me. Okay. Camel <laughs> Cleese says, Brian, dark, heavy, jangly Beach Boys, my brain. I cannot comprehend this. <laughs> so for my next choice, I'm going about as far away from shoegazing dark Beach Boys as you can get. And I'm going to catch all manner of hell for this one. But this is a band that's kind of like, I don't like all their stuff, so don't get me wrong. But I love the guy's singing voice. And he is known as a pretty damn good songwriter. He's got several hits to his credit, not only with his own band, but with other bands. Uh, this record was released on March 14th of 1995. I have A Boy Named Goo by the Goo Goo Dolls. It's about the poppiest thing I listen to, pretty much. Um, I I will say that I like half the record. I do not like the bass player's singing voice because he sings a bunch of the songs. And I just do not like his voice at all. The punk Stephen Piercy. Oh, I, it, it, I, I mean, literally, like, I, like every time I hear his voice come in with the first verse, I just hit skip. Yeah. So I just, it's not, you know, ugh. but I mean, the other songs, like, you know, I, I think they're, they're catchy, man. Like, it's kind of like a up-tempo poppy rock record, you know. I mean, it's obviously got the huge hit name on there, um, So, I, which that's, you know, a guilty pleasure song for me. But, you know. I mean, Long Way Down is a great opener. It kind of like sets the tone for the rest of the record. It's just like I say, it's just upbeat and happy and bouncy and stuff like that. Just simple pop rock. And, you know, there's a song called Ain't That Ain't That Unusual that I like. Long Way Down is a good one. Um, you know, again, it's it's not something I go to a lot. But, you know, if, I, if I'm on like a, a decent length road trip and I've been listening to a lot of metal, it's kind of like a good good thing to listen to you know, to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, being honest, I like the record after it better. The one with Iris and stuff on there, Black Balloon. Yeah. Um, but that that one's like slowed down a little bit. And I, I think that's why I kind of like it. But, um, you know, uh, all right. We do have some more. Man, you guys in the chat are kicking oh, ass tonight. Real quick for that. I actually do have that on my list. A Boy Named Goo. You've got yes. that on your list. I love this album, man. It's, really? Uh, okay. I, so I discovered them on their album before this. I think it was called Car Wash. Uh, they had a song okay. called, uh, oh, God. Of course, I can't think of it right now. But anyway, Boy <laughs> Named Boy Name, oh, fall, fall, fall Down, it was called. Um, but Boy Named Goo, man, I, Naked, great song. Ain't That Unusual, I was going to say that one's great. I love Eyes Wide Open. I think okay. that's a great song. Um, and, you know, I said Naked, that was, a, that was a single, too. And Personality, Only One. I yeah, you're right though. That's the singer when the bass player sings, it's a little, you know. <laughs> I mean, I I get why Johnny does it. It's like it's his best buddy, and he gives him a break, and he's like he thinks it's a chance to sort of go punk, you know, which is what he always kind of wants to be. But he's too pop yeah. punk, you know what I mean? And yeah, I agree. Dizzy up the girl is a great album too. But yeah, boy named Goo, man, that's that's a good sounding record. Yeah, I it's it's just fun. It's it's a nice easy light listen, man. Yep. Uh. Motley Crew junkie Kyle, he, he man, he really is a junkie. He he mentioned Taiketo Shine. Uh, he says uh, Kicks Show Business. Gibson Les Paul's got King Diamond, The Spiders Lullaby. Uh, Kyle has Slaughter's Fear No Evil. Let's see, Gibson Les Paul's got a few. Uh, Motorhead, Gamma Ray, Blind Guardian, and King Diamond all released Killers in '95. Damn. Uh, Chad 
Steve Irmer, hopefully I'm not butchering that. Good to see you, man. He says, porcupine tree, the sky moves sideways, and death symbolic. You don't need any others. <laughs> I think we can combat that. Uh, he also said Thrack by King Crimson as well. And Dan Russell brings up Dockin' Dysfunctional, which is a fitting name for that drama-filled band back then, still today. Uh, not a great album, but a couple of good songs. I I had that one on my list for a second, Dan, but because I, 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 I love the original Dockin' stuff, and, and some of the recent records have some good classic-sounding stuff on there. But, man, Dysfunctional, I just was not... I, it had some cool riffs and stuff because it was, you know, the, the drop tune record was heavy, but, you know, um, <laughs> Joseph Friend, Discuss Metal Joe Nice. He says, mess with your friends, start a playlist with Ain't That Unusual followed by It's Not Unusual. Let the fun begin. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, since you just brought up a boy named Goo, I'll, I'll go to the third one on my list. We'll see if you have this one. Uh, this one was released on June 13th of 1995, and it could be a tad repetitious, I suppose, but I had forgotten how vicious this album is. And um, I, when I went back and listened to it today, it was kind of one of those, damn, I need to start listening to this again. Uh, Demanufacture by Fear Factory. I, it's just like, I mean, the, the, the opening track, Demanufacture, is just brutal. Um, self bias resistor is cool because it's got like that. They had those really unique kind of like like the choruses with like the kind of like choral stuff. It sounds like the, the yep. evil choral stuff behind it. So that's got that. Replica's the song that got me hooked because I I forget where I heard it, but I was like, what the hell is that? And then I went and checked out the record and was like, holy shit. Um, and then there's a tune called Body Hammer that's like it, it's like a slow groove and then the chorus kicks in which is awesome and then the song flashpoints this it's just a great record and you know i've listened to other fear factory albums as a result and i still can't get past the manufacturer's my favorite one so i i i just love the kind of like you know i don't know it's weird like and i don't know much about slipknot but i i heard definitely some parts of this record where i'm like okay i can hear where slipknot got pulled a little bit of influence from so you know with like the percussion elements and things like that so uh yeah i have uh demanufacture is that on your list that is on my list <laughs> <laughs> i can't wow man yours. that's kind of floors me that's crazy but uh, all right so so what do you got what do you got for demanufacture yeah man i I love, like you said, they put they throw a little bit of those keyboards in there, and they you know drench his vocals and some chorus and delay and reverb and soak that thing up and you know put all those effects on. And it's just killer, man. I mean, there's is there is there a single guitar solo on this thing? I don't think so. No. I mean, do they do they, do they even play anything like short of like any riff that goes more than like maybe seven you know seven notes or <laughs> or like you know, right. three repetitions or something? But man, I. I totally agree too. Like you know, like self bias resistor, zero signal replica. I mean, that, that three song, that, well, that opening four songs, even in the new breed, body hammer is cool. Um, I like uh, what was it HK hundred killer. I like that too. Yeah. One of those bands too. Like you're saying, like I don't. I've tried to get into other albums, and if I can find one or two songs, that's about it. Like to that's... me, Fear Factory. If I want to see them live, I need like 55 minutes, to, you know, tops. You know, give me like three fourths of D manufactured, throw in whatever's off the newest album, you know, <laughs> whatever. Right. The, well, they have a song, I can't remember the name. It was from a, it was from a movie, I think. Uh, I think it was from the remake of uh, Blade Runner. I think they have a song in there that's pretty cool. There's, at least it's in the video. 
Okay. It's like a slow, it's almost like a ballad, which is weird. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, one of those bands that like, this is a defining sound record. Like there's no other album out there that sounds like this, like those super compressed guitars, you know, and like there's obviously triggers or something on those drums, but they sound killer. Oh, yeah. where they are, yeah. you know, like, I don't, I love that electric, electric yet still crushing heavy industrial type feel to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, awesome album, man. Yep. Um, all right. So what do you have next on your list since I keep picking things that you already have? Oh, uh, let's see. What do I go? I'll go with uh, a band that I guess is probably no one's ever in the middle on this. It's Love Them or Hate Them. It's Oasis. What's the story of Morning Glory? I didn't see that one on the list I pulled up. Okay. I, I, li- I, have, I have to admit I like a few songs, even though the brothers are total dickheads. Yeah. I saw, I saw that documentary on them, and it was really good. So it, it actually inspired me to check out some of their stuff, and it, it was cool. So, so all right, what's the story of Morning Glory? Is that, is, that the, is that the first one or is that the second one? So this has Wonderwall and Champagne Supernova, so I think this is the second one. So I think the first one has don't no this has don't look back in anger. So this is well this is the first hit one with these bands. I never know if they had other ones that we didn't hear about. You know, like Green Day had albums before Dookie and stuff. Okay. But uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, Wonderwall, Champagne, Supernova. I love the story, the song Morning Glory. Like I don't know the way those guitars just scream out in there. It's it's so badass. Like this really is when they turn on like the rock, you know, like the sort of like the satanic stones i guess i call them <laughs> satanic <laughs> Beatles thing right. like there really is a, a heaviness to it and a bit of a darkness to it but i love it man i think i mean this band is tailor-made for like great britain because these guys absolutely can't stand each other you know yet they sell out stadiums worldwide and it makes for like great you know press you know <laughs> like yeah you know especially back then when that when the internet was just kind of an in infancy like it was all over any rolling stone or any magazine all these two guys can't stand each other and I'll never forget, there was a famous Rolling Stone in, uh, interview with the two brothers. And, and after, like, hearing them talk for, like, 20 minutes, the one guy was like, do you guys ever get tired of your own bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> the guy just said, like, it's been 20 minutes of this nonstop. You guys just destroying each other. And, and like, not really in a fun way, you know. But, yeah, I, I love uh, I love this. Uh, I can't remember. It's, yeah, Liam. Liam is the singer. I get it mixed up. Noel's the guitar player, but Liam Gallagher, it's something about his voice. It's that whiny nasal pop voice, but yeah. man, it just floats right above those those chords that they that they spit out on these songs. It's like a clinic in songwriting, man. And it's you know super Beatlesy and and just great song crafted. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not like a huge fan of Oasis, but they are. You know, I mean, you can't deny their success and the songs. I mean, stand on their own. So. Um, I like I say I got I got into some of it because of the documentary, so I definitely agree with you on his voice too. So, all right. So next on my list uh, is an album that was released on July eighteenth of nineteen ninety five, and it's kind of a compilation record. But one of my favorite bands, Hidden Treasures by Megadeth. It uh, is really strong. I, I I don't really care about the No More Mister Nice Guy. I mean, it's cool. Uh, the last two songs, what is it, uh, Problems and Diadems, or however you pronounce that. But the rest of it is killer, man. Breakpoint, Go to Hell, Angry Again, 99 Ways to Die, and Paranoid. Like, Megadeth is one of those bands for me that, like, you know, like, when you go to get a movie soundtrack and it's got, like, bands that you like, it's you kind of get the throwaway songs. And yep. you're like, ah, this is this is okay. Megadeth is not like that to me. Like, there are a lot of soundtrack songs that Megadeth has done that I'm like, holy shit. And, you know, like, Go to Hell is just incredible. 
I mean, I love the video where it's got like the the triple split screen of them of you know one's the bass the bass guitar neck and then the other two are the guitar necks and stuff. That's awesome, and it's just a really kick ass tune. Uh, Angry again is one of my all time favorite Megadeth tunes ever. So, and Ninety Nine Ways to Die I think is like one of the most underrated Megadeth songs ever. I love that one, and that one's from the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack, and that song just rules. And you know, obviously, paranoid has that famous thing at the at the end, like Nick, 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 fuck me, running, <laughs> like so. That's always cool. But um, yeah, I mean, even though it's you know a collection of B sides or whatever, or soundtrack songs or whatever you want, however you want to phrase it, I love this album. I listen to it all the time. So I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of that and. Uh, unfortunately, Kale, like I say, was off by one year, but he did mention this earlier in the chat, so Kale was on with this one. So, yeah, I've got Hidden Treasures by Megadeth. Please tell me you didn't have this one. I did not. <laughs> what I appreciate about Megadeth, they know how to cover a song. Like, every time they do yeah. a cover, like, these boots, I mean, that's brilliant. Yep. The, the cover of Anarchy is awesome. Uh, no More Mr. Nice Guy is great. The newest album has a cover of a... Um, there's a Sammy Hagar song on there, and yeah, there's two of them. Yeah, sex, there's, there's got that Sex Pistols uh, piece. Of, I can't talk yeah, to it. No, it's a Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys. Okay, sorry. Struck. Yeah, that's a real, like. I'm, I'm not gonna lie and pretend I ever knew anything about them. I mean, I heard yeah. them, I heard the song, but it, I don't. know, Just the way Dave does it sounds awesome. Like, yep. I don't know. He just chunks up that guitar. You know, he turns up. He turns a punk song into a metal song. You know, without you knowing it. You know what I mean? Like, he just has a way of being able to do that. Yeah. And the Sammy cover's great. Yeah, that's good, too. I've never heard Worlds the on fire song, it. but that sounds awesome what he does. I hadn't, yeah, and he's got Sammy Hagar singing on it. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Would you have ever thought you'd have, you'd have seen Sammy Hagar singing with Megadeth? Like, yeah, that is exactly. just, wow. So, all right, so uh, what do you have next on your list? I have 1995's, I believe it's the fourth album from this band, Cathedral. Oh, okay. I am familiar with Cathedral. Yeah, the this was their album called The Carnival Bazaar. And uh, they are sludge doom, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, it's pretty much Black Sabbath uh, sounding to a T almost. I mean, it, but but I mean, I love the riffs. The only thing with this band, the singer, I think his name is Lee Dorian. You know, it's not a voice for everybody. So you, you can either tolerate yeah. it or you can't, you know. But <laughs> right. I think for what it is, it's awesome. I mean, it starts out with vampire sun and then this is kind of their hit was uh hopkins the Witchfinder general which is actually it starts out with a sound clip from vincent price it's one of his 19 it's a 1968 movie it was called matthew hopkins Witchfinder general but they changed it to matthew hopkins conquer worm i guess if you're looking for the u.s version but you know how he, okay. how he was in all those great you know british horror type movies like that yeah uh, cool song called utopian blaster um Oh, it's just it's just a lot of great heavy riffs in there. Kind of another one of those like this one's. Let's see, what did it say? It's ten songs, an hour and two minutes. I probably only need about six or seven of these, but I really love the sound of this band because yeah, it's super Sabbath inspired, but it's their own spin on it, and it's just heavy and it's fun and and it grooves. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm not overly familiar with Cathedral, but I mean the stuff I've heard is like it's cool. You know, like you said, it's sludgy, it's heavy, it's, you know, kind of doom-ish to my ear. But, it, I mean, it's cool. Again, it's not a band that I'm overly familiar with. So, 
Wait, Joe, discuss metal, Joe. Did Brian pick short bus yet? <laughs> no, I, I, I did not. That to me, that falls into one of those. I don't know, kind of a one-trick pony. I, I don't know about that as an album. You know, <laughs> like you got nice shot as a single, and I just don't really know about it as an album personally. Is that filter? That's filter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm not familiar. <laughs> This was where I started just going that like I, I was belligerent about grunge. I was like, damn it, if it's not metal, piss off. I was so <laughs> I was tired of watching these guys that couldn't play worth a damn, like earning millions of dollars while guys that could shred and kick ass were just like languishing. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. Um, speaking of bands that were languishing, Brian, this was the beginning of a languishing period for this band. Uh, it was released on October 2nd of 1995. And definitely an outlier in their catalog. One of only two. I have X Factor by Iron Maiden. And how do I, how do I mute you exactly here? <laughs> well, let me start by saying it's not it's not a great album. Okay. There, there, there's some songs that I like. Man on the Edge is kind of cool. Uh, the Aftermath I liked. Two A.M. It's like there's some stuff that I like, and I like the music. I like the music. The music on it. It's like it's slower. It's a, definitely a slower record, which I think was kind of a mistake. If you're gonna if you're gonna come out with a new singer first, you, you got to come out with all guns blazing. I think um, the lyrics are pretty dumb in spots. I I don't like Blaze Bailey's rhythmic choices a lot because he 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 does that thing where he just follows the rhythm of the guitar or the drums exactly, and I've always hated when singers do that, and. In his verses, especially, like he has a distinct lack of melody, and it really set him apart from Bruce Dickinson to me. Because Dickinson, you could like sing the verses, and Blaze, you can't really do that. And then a lot of the songs, he's in his low register, which I get is like comfortable for him. But I, you could you could hear right away why Maiden fans are like, "What the hell is this?" Like it wasn't the soaring vocals of Bruce Dickinson, you know, it wasn't the up tempo, like you know, "Be Quick or Be Dead" type stuff. I mean, there's a couple songs like that, but. And honestly, the songs are too drawn out. So some of these intros are like three minutes long of like pretty much nothing happening. So there's a lot of fat you could, you know, chew off of this record. But that being said, I think it's an interesting sounding Maiden record. They do do some things that are for them. They kind of go off of the, you know, the the the, the CDE thing that they you know are so famous for. And it's got some cool stuff to it. I mean, again, the lyrics are pretty dumb. I mean, Man on the Edge is just about that movie, man. Uh, you know, Man on the Edge, yep. like. So it's just, you know, not great, but, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. It was, it was not as bad as I thought it would be, I guess is, you know, after the Bruce Dickinson stuff, it, I, I thought it could have been worse. And so it was, it was enjoyable in parts, not great, but you know, I definitely would have picked it over a whole lot of other crap that was released in 1995. So, um, well, this, this has been my problem with Maiden for almost every album going back this far is like you said there's two and three minutes of you know the same riff that's not good enough to go three minutes <laughs> and yeah then you still got another four minutes of the song left and uh well yeah it dude it's like i'm glad you said that because lately their albums have these th these like 10 minute songs and it's like yeah you know they've got these 10 minute songs and it there's no need for that it, it they don't like a dream theater song goes like in eight different directions a 10 minute iron maiden song is like hey we've got this 30 second intro let's play it for four minutes like it's it's unnecessary so i so i can't 
the the late this newer maiden maiden stuff is just not. I, I like when they get back to do, writing more con, concise things. And I think the uh, first song, "Sign on the Cross," isn't that the only Blaze one that Bruce ever did live? If I'm not mistaken. I, I think, I, think I, re- I read that. Yeah, yeah I read that. I'm interested to? Ch- I never have checked that out. I'm interested to go check that out at some point. See. Yeah. Speak. Yeah. Speaking of songs that take way too long to get into. <laughs> that's one of them uh gibson gibson les paul says i'm telling you ingve malmstein magnum opus is a beast of an album 95 was a great year i can't root for ingve malmstein on anything because he's such a prick uh discuss metal joe says scratch out your number one choice and write in mr bungle disco volante because jeff said so <laughs> <laughs> i am not a mr bungle fan in by any stretch of the imagination i can't stand that i Mike Patton is one of those guys that is like weird for the sake of being weird, and I hate that shit. I hate it. I just I'm not a fan. I think there's some very cool Faith No More stuff. The Mr. Bungle stuff, yeah. It's I, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's it's like a bunch of drunk frat guys like, oh, we got some really cool recording stuff. Let's just make silly things, you <laughs> yeah. know. But, which that's fine. I don't care if you want to do it, but you, you know, don't go around telling everyone how, you know, like everyone think it's amazing when it's really not. <laughs> yeah. This sucks. Right. All right. So, what do you have next on your list? I've got three left. Oh my God, I feel like I'm burning through my list here. Uh, you have three. I guess. Oh, that's right. So we ended up crossing over on a couple. All right. I'm gonna go with um the last album to feature Sebastian Bach in this band, Subhuman Race. Okay. I was wondering if you're gonna have that one. Yeah, I think this is a very overlooked and very underrated album. Uh, there's just some killer tunes. It starts off with My Enemy, Beat Yourself Blind is great, Subhuman Race, the title track is so just brutal with double bass heaviness. Frozen is super, super cool uh, guitar riff. Into Another is a little bit of a kind of ballady type thing. And uh, towards the end, we end up with the song uh, The Breaking Down, which is uh, shows up in the credits of a, one of the un- most underrated movies of all time, The Prophecy. Christopher Walken, love that movie. Okay, I don't know if we're a fan of the Prophecy or Prophecy Two. There's, I think there's three of them they ended up doing. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Bach just he just sounds amazing on this. It just his tone is great. The guitars are there, the riffs are there, most of the big courses are there. It's it's heavier. I think it's better than Slave to the Grind. I wasn't a huge Slave to the Grind fan. I liked maybe a third of it, whereas Subhuman Race, I probably like closer to three-fourths of this album um you know just in terms of how strong it is and uh, it's crazy to think that it's been that long since you know he was basically in the band i guess i don't know how <laughs> yeah. long he toured on that or if they were even touring at that point if they just made this and maybe toured once and were done with him or right or what but i've tried to get into like some of the stuff they did with solinger since I listened to it. I'm just, I don't know. Just something's not there for me. And this, this new totally album, out, this, this new album they put out last year with the singer from Heat, and it, it's, it ended up on everyone's top ten. It's so great, and I'm like, the gang's all here. I mean, that's the stupidest title. <laughs> yes. I mean, it sounds like a, you know, that's something Archie Bunker said. You know, or somebody says <laughs> in a bar in 1965 after they get done working <laughs> in, the, in the auto factory. Hey, everybody, the gang's all here. Like. It, that does, that's not a title for a Skid Row album. Come on. Or, or a song. That's a, that's a title for like a Casey and the Sunshine Band album. 
Yeah. Like cool, like cool in the gang. The gang's all here. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, Skid like, Row, like, you're, you're thinking exactly like subhuman race, slave oh, to the grind. Not, the gang's all here. Yeah, I was like, I heard that, and I'm like, wait, you guys went out and got this singer who's an amazing singer. I mean, the, guy, the guy fits the band, I think. But again, it's like, it's one of those things, like, do these guys have, I don't know if they have any more great guitar riffs in them. And then when they came up with that song title and I'm telling like, this is, this is really stupid. I'm yeah. sorry. You know, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to be the get off my lawn old guy. Oh, the new stuff, you know, cause I want to like it. That's the thing. I don't just, but I don't know. I tried digging into it. it just, but yeah, subhuman race, man. If you, if you've ever, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but man, that's a good one to dig into. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's kind of equal to, it's kind of equal to slave slave to the grind for me because uh i think that the i don't know i'm kind of with you on slave to the grind because slave to the grind to me was kind of like a sebastian bach look what i can do album like there weren't a lot of hooks it was just him going like like screaming the, the the entire time like man oh man like I, ugh, I, I wanted some more hooks, and and subhuman race definitely had that. So, um, they're kind of similar to me, I think. Um, I think I like the production a little bit better on on Slave to the Grind, to be honest. But subhuman race is a good record, man. It just it just did not make my list. Uh, Adrian Schaller said, "Sorry, I'm late, but if you're talking about great 1995 albums, the self-titled Alice in Chains." Well, funny story there, Adrian. Uh. My next record was released on November 7th of 1995, and it just so happens to be the self-titled Alice in Chains record. I'm a big Alice in Chains guy. Um, ironically, my favorite Alice in Chains record is the first one with William Duvall. Blue gives way to black, or black gives way to blue, or whatever no the hell it is. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know why. I just think it's the most solid you know, front to back. But I love the Lane Staley era because it's especially dirt and like the eps and and this one the the self the self-titled record because it just has this dark like kind of like sludgy like you you feel kind of dirty listening to it because you know lane staley flat came out and said yeah i'm a junkie and I, i like being a junkie so he sings these songs like about being a junkie and then he has these weird lyrics and stuff but i think he's a great lyricist and as weird as some of the songs can get i mean i love the variety on these albums yet it's still accessible you know like i mean grind is a great song obviously i love that tune sludge factory that one's good heaven beside you um god am is is cool it's like a kind of f you letter to god almost um over now is a good one. I just, I love the like I said I love the variety on the Alice in Chains records, especially you know like the like Dirt and you know the self titled one is is the perfect example. I mean you, you'll have stuff like Sludge Factory and Frogs, and then you'll go to Heaven Beside You. Like they're just all over the place. And again, there's just this aura around them. And it's probably due to how much we know about Lane Staley and how uh, what a disaster he was. Um. But I, it's it's great stuff, man. And so I, I really, really like the self-titled record. So that's that is next on my list before I get to my top two. So, uh, do you have Alice in Chains on your list? I do not. I think I'm down to my top nice. two. We ended up crossing over on some, but uh, yeah, okay. I love I, again. I love that song. Um, yeah, it, 
I had this theory on. So, I, well, what are your thoughts on the Jerry Cantrell stuff? Because I, I I thought the last album was amazing. I actually haven't listened to very much of it no. at all. I tried listening to Boggy Depot, and I wasn't really into it. Um, I, I keep meaning to listen to the most recent one because uh, one of my best buddies, Nick, he's he's a huge Cantrell fan. He says it's great, just like you just did. So, I will I will have to check that out. But I haven't listened to it yet. Um, yeah, it's like the evil Tom Petty. <laughs> I think that's what it's like. <laughs> it's sort of turned into the evil Tom Petty, man. It's like this, this sort of whiskey dark blues metal thing, but they're these folk tunes, and they still, they still got all the Allison Chains harmonies kind of layered in there. And, uh, you know, there's just enough heaviness and darkness, and even though they're sort of acoustic based. But, uh, yeah, I, I love the Cantrell stuff. Yeah, yeah, we always called this album the, what, the tripod, tripod, I think is what a lot of people Tri- call it. Tripod, the dog yeah, album, yeah. Dog, but, yeah, like yeah. I said, Grind, Sludge Factory. I mean, I love the song again, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those, too, though. It's like 12 songs an hour. Like, Allison Change, man, you're, like, exhausted one time you get to the end of one of their albums. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just did beat over the head with a lot of really dark, you know, overtones and messages and stuff and you're like man i, I better not be sitting down here and like doing acid or drinking while listening to this <laughs> right. i could yeah. end up like in a hospital or something right. <laughs> well i tell you you know what what gets me through this record a lot is i mean the vocal harmonies yep. are just so unbelievably layered and it's lane staley just going to town there i mean you know four-part harmonies all over the place it's just so lush and the, the guy was brilliant in terms of writing those things because he was the one that put all the vocal harmonies together. And oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he, dude. It's like there's a biography about them out there. It's a little dry, but it's it's very informative. It's it's got a ton of information in it, and there's a lot of stuff about him you really wouldn't have known. And that's that's one of them that he that he put all that stuff together. And it's like, wow, okay. I thought that was Cantrell, but um, it was not. All right, so we both have two left, and I'm going to go first to see if ours are the same because you thought we had the same, and you guessed what my two top ones would be. So if I could only buy two records in 1995, this would be my second-place album, and it was released on October 24th of 1995, and it is the single most underrated record by this band and one of the most criminally underrated metal records ever, in my opinion. Uh, I have Stomp 442 by Anthrax. No one ever talks about this record, and I don't know why. I get that it's a departure from the classic Joey Belladonna stuff and even from you know Sound of White Noise, but this record just absolutely rocks. Like I th- like to the point where if you if you played people videos of Anthrax on mute and they didn't know who anthrax was and you looked at their stage presence like specifically like like scotty in and you know frankie bello and stuff like that and you said i wonder what the music sounds like i think that the stuff on stomp is what you would picture the way he does like you know the 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 stomping around in a circle and everything and yeah. just headbanging and everything it, th- this this sounds like pissed off anthrax and i have always loved this record man like and when it came out i saw them live and they barely touched this album for that tour. I was so pissed. I was like, what are you doing? Like, I come on, man. Like, this record jams. And, you know, so many more people mentioned the album after it, Volume 8, which, I was like, for me, it's the one bad Anthrax album. It's got three songs I like, and the rest is, is not good. The production is terrible. 
and it's just not a good anthrax record. And to me, Stomp is just it was so it, it, it unfortunately it came out, you know, they, they got signed to Electra and then they put this one out right as, you know, they were Electra was basically deciding to dump all of their hard rock and metal stuff. So the album got absolutely buried. Uh which which is which is an unbelievable shame. So um I mean, dude, so many great songs. You know, Fuel's on here, Riding Shotgun, In a Zone, American Pompeii. Nothing is like the straightforward one, and that rocks hard. And it was just, God, I love this record, man. John Bush is just screaming his nuts off. And it's like a, a, a simplified freight train version of Anthrax, and I love it. So do, so do you have Stomp 442 in your top two? I do. And yes. I don't even know if I knew this came out until almost two years later, that's how buried it was. Really? And the same with the uh, volume eight, I think like, like I think that had already come out and I was like, Oh, they have a new one. And then all of a sudden I looked and I'm like, wait, <laughs> not four, four, two. Yeah. That was, nobody knew this was out. It was horribly marketed. It was nowhere. Cause there was a record store over here in Cleveland. Um, actually it was in Euclid where I used to live. And this guy got everything new in rock metal. And that was, that was never in there. So I don't even know if he knew that it was out or if they ever even gave it to him to sell. Okay. But uh, yeah, I I don't know how John Bush could like physically talk after doing his album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fueled king size. I love that the devil lives in California. Yes, like, like there's, I don't know that there's a ton of memorable guitar riffs, but the way that Bush can take almost anything, and like yeah, I'll figure out a melody to do on that, and it's nothing like, it's nothing amazing. But we've said before, that's the stuff that's hard to do. It's sort of a simple yeah. hook that just dragged, that sort of gets you in. You're like, oh, now I'm singing this later. Like, I'm always singing that part, The Devil Is in California. But, uh, yeah, Riding Shotgun, I mean, those squawky, they got the slide guitars in the beginning and stuff. Oh, the, the Dimebag part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah this the first the first appearance of Dimebag on an Anthrax record. Oh, okay, I did not even know he's playing on that. Yeah, yeah, he played, uh, um, I know he played, was it? I, th- I thought it was two songs. Um, let me look it up here while you talk about well, it. Because he's on. We've come for you all. Yeah, you he's, he's not. He's, no, no, no. I, I, I know for a fact he was on this one because Dan Spitz had quit. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, that would. This would be the one he's on in because it sounds like squawky, slide, sloppy, dirty, grimy, like kind of yeah. guitar playing to start that out. Okay, so I was right. It was two. It's fueled and king size. Oh, okay. No, wait, no, not not king size. No, that's bullcrap. Riding shotgun is the one. It's I, riding shotgun. Uh, yeah, this 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 idiot here has has wrong. king size. No, it's and I, I don't think it's fueled either. Huh. I don't I don't think that's right. I, yeah. Oh, it says four. Okay, riding shotgun, inside out, strap it on, and Cadillac rock box. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so it's just the one song. I I knew he I knew he played two, played two on on um. Come for you all. We've come for you all. But anyway, so yeah, so riding shotgun. That's him. You know. And you you could totally tell too. I mean, if you just put on the record, say, "All right, you have to tell me exactly where you hear Dimebag Daryl." Like yeah. it's it's definitely in that intro. To yeah, you mentioned American Pompeii, man. He is just he's just yep. flat out belt American Pompeii. Like I don't know how many how many times he says it. I mean, and the thing about like John Bush, like man, he spits out three times the amount of lyrics that most singers do. You know what I mean? He's like a yeah. He, brash poet or something i guess is the best <laughs> word way of saying you know and they're always cool like i told you before like the last the last two armored saint albums i think is absolutely brilliant I mean, he's got the same kind of vocal style and right and uh you know very musically it's not 
not quite like this. It's a heavy, it's a more traditional sort of a heavy thing. But uh, this album has a groove. And I think, yes, I think what people miss the most in, in certain rock and certain metal things is there needs to be a groove to it. And like, there's like, you can borderline, it's going to sound stupid. Like, you can almost, I don't want to say you can dance to it. But it's like, I don't know, you can just sort of feel yourself moving. There's just a certain way that Bonante plays. And and I don't know that he plays that way all the time on all the albums. I think I think he's really good at sort of mixing in styles. But there's something about a literally, like like you said, like a stomp groove on this. Yeah. And you're like, you're just banging your head and you're just kind of want to just sort of mosh around. And uh, and uh, yeah, man, this, this, this is just a relentless, it's over an hour also, I think. It's just a relentless slam you upside the head like hitting yeah. with, like you say it's criminally underrated and I, I i don't know why i guess like you said because they were at the end of the deal with lecture or whatever yeah and a lot of people it's it is a departure and it never got a lot of run and so people don't know it very well but it's got it's such a good record and i mean you mentioned american pompeii and i'll get to my number one but i mean i love the key change at the end of that where it goes to the low like it just gets even heavier i remember the first time i played that record i was like what the hell man like that is it i mean there's a couple moments like that on this album that are just like the heaviest anthrax you could get and it's it's so good more this album deserves so much more love than it gets um all righty well let me get to my number one and let's see if you have this i hope you do because obviously uh, anybody who really knows me knows that this will not be a surprise. But my number one record was released on January 24th, 1995. So just cracked into 1995. And um, speaking of underrated albums, at least to me, uh, this was the final album by this band to feature Sammy Hagar on lead vocals. It is Balance by Van Halen. Do you have that? on your list no mine is shania twain the woman and me <laughs> <laughs> but it was i mean if, there, if you really listen closely it's almost the same album. that's fantastic oh my god uh, no of so, course but yes i have balance on here that dude i this album is so great. And I mean it's 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 kind of it's kind of shitty because like now, you know, as the years have passed, like you know everything about it and you know the circumstances the band were under at the time. So it's like you can kind of hear the dysfunction if you you know, it's when you when you play this back to back with 5150, it's definitely, you know, one's the sound of a band getting started and and one's the sound of a band splintering. And even still I mean, Eddie Van Halen's guitar tone on this is just absolutely enormous. Uh, I just can't say enough about this record. I mean, Eddie Eddie is such a great songwriter. And, you know, Seventh Seal and, you know, uh, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do, Amsterdam, Aftershock, uh, you know, even, I mean, Big Fat Money is a classic Van Halen boogie. And, you know, Feeling is feeling at the end. Is, God, this whole record just is so killer. And even the instrumental Baluk Ethereum is it's it's so catchy, and God, I, I I get into arguments with people all the time, like even people that like the 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 Sammy era, and they're like, "Oh, that record's not good." I'm like, "Dude, what are you listening to? Like that record is so good, <laughs> like it's just incredible." And I man, I'm I am just okay. Gibson Les Paul says, "Never Enough" is an underrated song. 
Well, we're not talking about Octavarium though, Gibson. That's Paul. You think <laughs> or LA Guns? Are you are, Gibson? Are you are you talking about Not Enough, the the Van Halen yeah, tune, or are you enough. are you actually talking about Never Enough on Octavarium? Um, that's the piano one, right? Not enough. Yeah, I yeah. love that song, man. Yeah, it's dude. It's just, I mean, God, Eddie. There, and no one really talks about some of the riffs that he's doing. Like, if you ever watch the solo that he's playing during Amsterdam, like <laughs> he says, he says, yeah, not enough. I was close. <laughs> um, but he's doing like at the beginning, it's like this huge spread, and he's like, it's this weird thing that he's doing. And I mean, there's just so much to this album, and I, I, I'm probably a little biased to this one because, like, I'd never seen Van Halen before. And when this came out, I was I was a month shy of turning 19, and I and I was allowed to go to concerts finally. And I knew they were going to tour on this. I was like, "Holy shit, I'm going to see Van Halen live!" So every whenever I hear this record, especially Seventh Seal, that's the very first song you know, that I ever saw them play live. So that was the, the opener for that, that first show I saw. Every time I hear it, I just picture that explosion of light and then seeing Eddie Van Halen on stage for the first time and just my mind going, holy crap, I, I'm i here. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, even stuff like Deja Vu, is a, no one ever talks about that song. And there's so many great songs that no one ever gets into. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Balance? So were you at the Blossom show, same one I was at, or no? I, I went to three shows on that one. I went to uh, the Q, I went to Blossom, and I also went to Polaris Amphitheater in Columbus. Oh, nice. So I was at I the Blossom. Th- That's the first and only time I've ever seen, uh, got to see Eddie and Van Halen, obviously. Uh, yeah, you know, when this album came out, I thought it was kind of okay. Uh, it's really grown on me over time, you know, and I don't know if that's... Not so much since Eddie passed, you could because I was into it more before then. But I just can't. You really sort of sit down and listen to it, and and you just appreciate it more for what it is. You know, like yeah, like, and the riffs are great. The production's awesome. Seven Seal is a just killer opener song. I mean, I think this is Sammy. I mean, I don't know if he's ever sounded bad on an album, but this is yeah. him probably literally at the top of his game. Um, you know, never uh, what was it? Take me back. I love that song. Yeah, that's the. I don't know. God, just, it's so I just, love that tune. It's crank, so catchy. Crank them down in the summer, you know, just a feel good song, you know. Like I don't know, it yep. just really takes you back to your childhood. Uh, I th- I think I think that's what's cool about this record, dude. Is it like it has different flavors to it? You know, the other Van Halen stuff is pretty much you 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 get what you get. This one's kind of got the light and the dark, which you don't really get that on a Van Halen record, which I think sets this one apart and makes it interesting. You know, it's definitely kind of an outlier in the catalog for that reason, especially the Sammy stuff, you know, because you always pretty much had that, you know, 5150 was up and OU812 was like a little more serious, but still up. And then, you know, um, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge was just straight ahead rocking the whole time. And, and But this one's got, you know, some shade to it. And, you know, you go from stuff like, you know, Deja Vu, Take Me Back and Can't Stop Loving You to, you know, feeling and, and Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do and, you know, things like that. And. It's you know it's very up and down in terms of the in terms of the mood. Yeah, if this whole album was Amsterdam, Big Fat Money, then you'd be like, okay, this is kind of overkill and silly, stupid. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's not. You know, like those. Yeah. You have all the other stuff that balances it out, and uh, you know, no, no pun intended there. Actually, yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, and I wonder if that's why they even you know picked that. Like, hey, you know, we're, we we kind of like to write these different types of things and we have these different kinds of moods and um yeah you know 
so yeah it's it's just it's crazy to think that this is you know i mean we can argue about different kind of truth all we want but for me to me this is the last great <laughs> this is the last truly great van halen album where you know it's just a lot of great performances all over it and and it's crazy to think that it was we never really got anything since then you know it's kind of sad in a way yeah i mean all you all you had was van halen three the three new songs on the on the best of both worlds compilation um you had the two roth songs on the greatest hits record in 96 and then a different kind of truth and that was that was that was all so I mean, you're not wrong in saying it's like the last great Van Halen record, but right. I, I guess it's like, and I'm not saying this because like, look, look what you have to compare it to. It's not that right. it's, you know, but it, but it is kind of funny to say it because you really got pretty much nothing, nothing, nothing after that. So, you know, it, I, I I agree with you. It was, it was criminal. I, I always wish that Eddie would, you know, had been able to get through like one last tour. Cause like Sammy can still bring it. And Eddie, you know, once he sobered up and everything, was just absolutely blazing every time I saw him. And it's, it's just to hear these songs again with those guys actually getting along and Eddie, you know, hit, hitting on all cylinders would just have been a- absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, that, that kitchen sink tour that they talked about was, I mean, that that would have been hilarious. I don't know how they would have pulled that off, but I, I just, uh, man, to, I, I argue about Van Halen all the time with the Roth fans to just completely shit on the Sammy era, which drives me bonkers. And I would have loved to see that tour because Sammy would have wiped the floor with David Lee Roth. I mean, it wouldn't have been a contest. Did you see the, uh, the video of David Lee Roth dancing? to? Yes. Oh my God. What the hell was that? Now, first of all, I full disclosure. I had never heard a Kendrick Lamar song before in my life. So I've heard one now and I'm good. No yeah offense. no offense i'm with you i'm with you yeah i didn't mind the music at all but uh lyrically kind of left a little bit to the imagination <laughs> well and the, the best is like the roth honks are out in force oh dave's at it again oh witty dave he's so great like no it, it looks stupid it looks terrible shut up it's not great like just cut it out yeah but again, shut- about him that's all he cares about i think <laughs> I good or like bad it. honestly I hate know, it. Uh, CMS Network is that Chris or is that us doing that? Yeah, that's this is Aiken, and I don't know why he's giving his opinion. He's not allowed to give his opinion. He was already supposed yeah. to be on here giving eight opinions, and he's laid up. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says down Nola is better than balance, which is great too. He says, um, I never really got into the down thing, but I'm I'm not into that like slower, sludgier, kind of stoner stoner metally sound. Did you, did you get into down at all? So I have. I think they did three or did they ever do a fourth? I think I have one and two. Yeah. I, this is one of those where I'm not sure if it holds up or if I ever liked it all that much. Like, I feel like I liked the first maybe two, three songs, but you know, I'm going back to a lot of these albums that year came out and I'm like, listen to them. Like, eh, you know, it just, it's just not song to song. Like, oh, I can't wait till the next song, you know, you know, and then it's over crap. You know what I mean? And just, this yeah. is another one of those to me. Like I thought it was cool. I, I, I really enjoyed like Pepper Keenan's guitar playing and stuff. I think it mixed good with what Phil was doing and stuff, but, but I don't know that, that, you know, pound for pound, there was, I don't know how many songs are on there, 10 or whatever. I, maybe there was five. I thought it should have, <laughs> you probably stopped at just me personally. I, for me, it's like when I heard Phil, Phil Anselmo, I was like, I, it, 
you're supposed to be singing for Pantera. That, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And it just it just sounded weird to not have him doing that. So I was, it, I was like, no, okay. I guess it's better than Damage Plan. I don't know. But I don't know what that's saying necessarily. It's probably close. That Man, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's an interesting thing to talk about for a second as long as Pantera is on the table. That really was kind of a disappointing record, wasn't it? I, like, the production wasn't good. And, I mean, the songs are pretty cool, but it was just, man, oh, man. I, I was hoping for something a little a little better with that damage plan record. I, I've I, and I was like maybe I was just you know heartbroken over Pantera, and so I've I've gone back many times and tried to listen to it with a fresh ear, and I come come away the same with the same opinion every time. There's a couple awesome songs and everything, but I just really wish the production would have been, you know, fatter. It's very thin, and I, I a lot of times I wonder if that wasn't like more demos that was kind of rushed out as a full album yeah because it just doesn't have the power of even like you know a weaker sounding pantera record it just isn't there yeah for for me that one in uh reinventing the steel never did never did much for me i don't know i thought those were kind of letdowns but you know just try to really? i decided to double check on down so 12 songs 56 minutes going through the yeah, I, I think five, six, maybe at the top, at the most. You know, twelve was too many for me for what they were doing. At least <laughs> that does seem to be kind of a thing. It's kind of like the new Metallica record. Like they put out two songs and they're they're like five minutes a piece. You're like, oh, sweet, and you and yet they said the record's like seventy seven minutes long or seventy two. So basically, you still got you've got ten songs left at at, at over an hour, and you're like, oh boy, ten more and, recycled Motorhead riffs, cool. <laughs> yeah well dude you know what though at least it rocks i mean yeah. it's i, I yeah. like those two new songs i mean it's yeah. I'm, right. I'm not optimistic you know because i mean i i god i i hate it but i can't listen to that band without thinking about how mad i am at lars Ulrich and the whole sellout thing i don't i don't know why I, there's no other band like that for me i just they've I just lost they've, they've lost their heaviness and i don't know that they i don't think they can get it back I don't know. There's, there's just, there's those songs are more seventy-ish than they are like metal-ish, and they just, they can't get their metal back. That's what, that's what to me sucks. The most. Yeah, but see, I. Do you blame dude, Lars for that? A lot of that, or no? I, I blame Lars for everything. <laughs> hey, Lars, this is your fault. Yeah, I mean, even even things that aren't even musical are, are his fault. That stupid little Danish turd. I hate him. Um, oh God. Ugh. Yeah, Gibson Les Pauls with you. He says Lux, Lux Eternal is a really bad version of Motorhead's fight. It, it just like I understand. Like I think you're doing what I used to do sometimes. Like you're you're forcing yourself to like it just because you're you're sick of hating everything that they're doing. You're, you know what I mean? Like, and I understand it, but I think it's a subconscious thing to be like, well, it's it's not terrible. It's like, yeah, but this is Metallica. Come on, man. We've set a higher bar than this, haven't we? Yeah, but I mean, I actually do like the two new songs. Like to the I, like when I listen to them, I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. Like, you know. But I mean, I, I Metallica for me is more of like an album band because when you when you think about Metallica, you you talk about it in terms of the first five records, and you know you, you talk about the record. You're not like, oh yeah, there's like 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 half a kill 'em all is good. The rest is crap. Like a quarter of red. No, it's like. You can you can start at you can start at 
hit the lights and go all the way through to the struggle within and you're not skipping like that is what metallica is to me so like liking a few songs doesn't right. mean that i'm you know up its ass or anything yeah. like that and I, I i just think you know at least on record hetfield still sounds like hetfield to me the riffs are cool um lars again he you know I mean, Robert Reams, you know, he he's in a, in on that too. He says, "Yeah, Lars is ugh, just bad." I mentioned it before. I like Death Magnetic. I mean, yeah, De- Death Magnetic's cool. Okay. I I, th- I think the last two are stronger, but yeah, I mean, it it th- think of how many bands that we are into that when they get older release just stuff that's completely forgettable, like you could even give a crap. And Metallica is it's listenable, you know. And I yeah, you know, but, but but I think. You're right. It's listenable, but I also think it's forgettable because after you hear okay. those songs, 20, 10 20 minutes later, do you remember anything about them? I don't, and I'm not no, even. You're not, I'm not wrong. Even just saying that. I'm just. I'm just flat out stating fact. Like I just. Okay, I heard a riff that was like it. Just. I don't know. There, there's just there's an it factor that's missing. I I I don't disagree with you. I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, it's. And I'm. <laughs> It's it's so difficult because like Megadeth is like in the same boat, but Megadeth stuff is at least it, it it's not it, it, it's not as hooky as even the metal like the really metal stuff at the beginning or you know, but it's definitely not as hooky like as stuff like you know like symphony or um, um, countdown to extinction or cryptic writings or euthanasia and stuff. But right. it definitely you know it's definitely thrashy and you know the last two records are really kind of back to a more classic Megadeth sound. Anthrax is putting out phenomenal stuff. Um, you know, Testament, their stuff is still solid. So I don't know if it's like we're just so stuck on those classic records that these just don't land or if they're actually just not good. I, I, I still don't know, but I will I will say I completely agree with you. you. Bring up an excellent point saying that, you know, 20 minutes later, you're not remembering anything like I like, for example, on Death Magnetic. I went to listen to that the other day because I'll be doing uh, Adam Rishog's show next week and we're doing a fantasy draft of metallica tunes and i was like all right I, you know i gotta go back and listen to like death magnetic and i remember all nightmare long and then i i remember like one part of judas kiss yep. and the rest i was like oh yeah this song oh yeah this song oh yeah yep. and hardwired is kind of the same i think hardwired is exactly like that because i remember when that first came out i think the first three songs like oh my god these are so good and then like Wait a minute, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like with the new Megadeth, I was like, when this came, I was like, ah, this is pretty good. I don't know. But then the more I listened to it, I'm like, yeah, this is really good. But I, the more I listened to new new Metallica, I can't even going back to Death Magnetic or the last one. I I don't know. It just, like you said, it just. I guess we'll agree on you know, listenable and forgettable. Two two different things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, unless you're really into a band like, you know, I, I really like the new Anthrax record for all kings. It's you know, there's a lot of stuff on there that's memorable to me. Um, obviously, Dream Theater for us. And we're super fans. So we're going to be into that. Um, but I, I I don't know. I, I I again, Lars Ulrich just kills it for me. I, I would love to hear that stuff with, you know, with with, with proper drumming. It's like I, I think I mentioned this before on the show, but there's a guy that he on youtube he's done stuff like what if you know master of puppets was on injustice for all or you know um you know what if this and, and he did uh 
one of them was what if moth into flame was on and justice for all and then some other guy actually put like he 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 basically kind of mimicked the Hetfield vocal as if it was kind of like back in the day yeah. and this guy nails the tones i mean identically and then i just found the other day somebody else took their compilation and put it to footage from the 1989 Seattle show and made it look like they were playing it and i'm like oh my god yeah that that if 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 Lars was playing like metal drums this song really would fit <laughs> like on justice it's it's crazy but Lars does this damn oversimplified thing it's like cut it out like it's just, you're you're not acdc for fuck's sake like play metal drums enough is enough it's uh, the one thing i will say about the new songs again i probably mentioned this before but at least they put the guy in a grid so it sounds tight Instead of that loose garbage. Um, Gibson Les Paul, by the way, I agree with him on this because I heard this on the Classic Metal Show. He says, the new Overkill song, The Surgeon, is a banger. Have you heard it? I have. uh, This is another band. The last couple albums, they have a lot of these six and a half, almost sometimes into seven minute songs. I think this song is over six. We can chop out about a minute and a half and these songs will be even better. Yeah. Um, Blitz, Blitz always sounds great. You know, Overkill, other thing for me is, like, I hear, like, sort of the metal chord progressions a lot of times, and a lot of times I don't necessarily hear the super memorable riffs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're just, they're a classic band that's kind of stuck to their formula and never really strayed. And I, I do respect, you know, like, hey, this is just, this is what we do. We do this better than anybody the way we do this, so why should we kind of try to do anything too different? But uh, I respect yeah. it for sure. So, Aiken says uh the cms network hardwired is half great now that we're dead is the best song since the black album that's a damn good song i i I don't know if it's the best one since the black album but that's damn sure up there um and i agree with him completely hardwired is like half crap and i really think that that's what we're going to get with 72 summers which by the way er, you you you're talking about earlier what a stupid album title like the games all here can can we just say like you know 72 summers like or, or 72 seasons excuse me can we just say what a dumb album title that is? <laughs> what was the? Didn't they say what? What was the reasoning behind that? It, Seventy-two seasons is the the first. It's like the first eighteen years of your life. Okay. You know, four seasons per year, whatever, like that. And it's like that's when you you're most you do the most growth or some, something like that. I don't know. It's that okay. it's that damn new school James Hetfield. I'm all introspective and have been to therapy. Crap. It's like it, it, that's a, that's another thing, and, and Aiken talks about this a lot, and he's right. This Papa Hetfield thing, and this Grandpa thing, like, hey friends, like, oh, it's good to see families here. Like, no, dude, no, just can you please go develop an alcohol problem again? And just like, I know I'm being I'm, I'm being facetious, so anybody gets offended by that, I'm, I apologize. But like, just dude, drunken, angry Hetfield was the definition of Metallica, and seeing him trying to be like, you know. The, the 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 friendly grandpa is like oh my god what the hell are you doing i uh, well plus if he's drunk and angry is a better chance of go kick lars ass <laughs> right. everyone wants to see on stage yep yep plant that little elf inside his bass drum like <laughs> i just all i know is like when i was when i was uh reading scott ian's biography and he was talking about that that tour they did in 86 that you know he actually was privy to conversations where you know he was thinking that there was reasonable chance that that cliff and james were going to fire lars and i'm like oh god 
that's stupid. But like, if you had a DeLorean, would you go? If you had a DeLorean, wouldn't you go back and like just like I don't know, throw throw salt on the road so the cliff didn't have to go anywhere, or like do something with that driver so that maybe the the firing of Lars could have become a reality? <laughs> like, you know, Cliff Burton wouldn't die. Like, I don't know. That's it's it's very dark, but. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey Gibson Les Paul, good point. Says, how much you want to bet Lars doesn't play the double kicks in Lux Eterna Live? He doesn't have the stamina or accuracy to pull it off. Yeah, and Aiken, yeah, he said, yep, he says Hetfield crying on stage is all you need to know to define the end of them. Can't we all just get along? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, if you want to get into your feelings and stuff, if you're on stage and you're a band, okay, I get it, but not when you're Hetfield, bro. Like, that's not. You know, I mean, oh, so I want to talk about this real quick before we wrap up. Sure. Two quick things. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame new nominations are out. I'm still annoyed that Metallica allowed themselves to be voted in before Maiden and Priest. Because without those two bands, there is no Metallica. I thought that was totally lame. You're not wrong. Okay. So we finally got Priest in, right, off of the so-called fan vote. <laughs> and they, I don't think they're even in, are they? It's it's some special category or something? Like yeah. contribution? It's not even like, hey, you're in the, it's like, you know, you're alongside, yeah. you know, ugh, don't, so, don't get me started. They made this dead last, I guess, in this new. <laughs> I mean, the stuff they are trying to. Did you see the, the uh, so did you see the mission statement they came out with? Now, if no, you have I'm, a whole thing. I haven't. If you have a Hall of Fame and you have to have a, air quotes, mission statement, <laughs> right. this, it was this diatribe about like, well, you know, rock and roll is about rebellion and it's about this and it's about this and this and this. So in other words, it, this is your way of saying we're never going to let in like the biggest rock and metal bands of all time, which yeah. is what you think would go in first. No. Yeah. They're going to shove all this other crap down our throats. Which yeah, fine, I, you know, if you want to have a like an R and B rap Hall of Fame, that that's killer, or a pop Hall of Fame, or just call it the Music Hall of Fame, but don't call it the Rock Hall. And Maiden is still not in there. <laughs> like, how? Dude, I'm I'm, lo- I'm looking at it right now. I mean, how in the he- okay, Kate Bush? What in the hell is is rock and roll about her? Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott. <laughs> like, I mean, what what is that? George has, Michael is it's pop. Willie Nelson is country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah they is, want to get. He's already in the Country Hall of Fame, you know, and so is Dolly Parton. Like, I don't know why they had to put those two over there, but so that's my, they, di- that's my diatribe on that. I don't want to go forever on this, so let's skip real quick to the Grammys. <laughs> so, oh, do we have to? That that's <laughs> the Gram the Grammys is pretty much. Uh, now, I I I full oh. disclosure, I. There's no way I could sit through five minutes of watching, so I didn't even try. I yeah, I don't even I don't care. But so we finally give Ozzy the Mercy Grammy, you know. Like, oh, the guy does Diary of a Madman, Ultimate Sin, Blizzard of Oz, No More. T- it's some of the greatest metal stuff. And so this is finally he's going to get a Grammy off of this, like yeah, you know, off of this. I don't know, kind of barely passable swan song of an album. It's really not all that amazing. I don't even know what's keep what kept them alive to get through these songs, you know, but it's like, hey, come on, man. Yeah, I <laughs> I looked up the, I looked up the winners and stuff. Even just the categories, I'm like, 
what the hell? Dude, and I, it, it, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just thinking. Like, I, I don't know who most of these people are. I, you know, the the hard rock and heavy metal thing. Like Ozzy wins too. It's like, dude, I, come on. So, best metal performance, and I just and saying performance when it comes to Ozzy anymore. First of all, <laughs> like. So the nominees, some of the other ones, they had Megadeth will be back. That's not even like the fifth best song off of their new album. Like, I don't even know where they're coming up with the singles to put on there. Like, Ghost, Call Me a Little Sunshine. That's a no-brainer. Oh, I hate that band. I love that band and that song. But it's like, oh, we got to give one to Oz. You know, like, I don't know. It's these. They just need to go away. Just stop with the Grammys. Stop with the Hall of Fame. Just, Just be done with it. I I I really got I really got nothing because I I I just I can't agree more. It's just I mean like if you're cause you're thinking metal okay like okay yeah Ozzy you know he's a metal guy but degradation trip over will be back. I mean will be back is like a thrashing song that is I love that tune I I, I will disagree with you it's like not even one of the best five songs but um. Well, they got Muse in there too for best metal, which I love the band Muse, but I don't know. The How is that metal? Best metal performance. Oh my god! I have it's no just... idea what a turnstile is. Well, I, I do know what a turnstile is. I don't know what the band is. <laughs> that was the other. So that was the five. Is this where one of us says your mom's a turnstile? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for it from you, man. Best rock performance. So they. Had, I don't know if you saw this. This. One of these latest Brian Adams. I love Brian Adams to death, but this new song single is so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get out of here, oh, Chastity Crowley says, before you go, I have to stir the pot. And I said, uh-oh, is this more Octavarium hate? <laughs> she said, I've listened to Octavarium like a dozen times. Still no dice. So is this about Octavarium Chastity or, or how are we stirring the pot here? Because you got me kind of nervous. If if it oh. is the Octavarium thing, you're you're if you listen to it a dozen times and still no dice, you're still wrong. You're a dozen times wrong. But I, I Brian, I'm telling you, I want to have that episode that that uh, Octavarium in the Octagon with Adam Rishog and and Sean Faust and and, uh, and Chastity. So she could just tell you again that she doesn't like it. Well, it, she said she would try. Oh, yep, she says well, it is. Tried. All right, yeah, all right. So chastity, for those of you who weren't tuned in, uh, <laughs> not Gibson, less Paul. By the way, Gibson, we're, yeah, she's actually talking about the song Octavarium, not the entire record. But Gibson, less Paul says at chastity Octavarium brought to you by Ambient, boring album. Oh man, doesn't like Octavarium, doesn't like falling into infinity. Hmm. I can see the Ambient thing. There's definitely a sleepy quality to it. I don't know about sleepy. I mean, it's definitely I think their lightest album. I would say, but I don't. I don't think it's I don't to the think title it's track. To the title track for sure. I think. All right. Well. All right, Chastity. Well, again, I really want to. I want, it'd be Adam Adam Rishog and Sean Faust in one corner, and Chastity in the other. Octavarium in the Octagon. <laughs> I love that title. I'm very proud of myself for that one. <laughs> but. Uh, well, all right, man. Well, let's get out of here. We, we were afraid we were going to have a short episode tonight, and yet here we are, long-winded as usual. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another show tonight. Uh, Chastity, great to see you. Man, all kinds of people. Aiken, Gibson, Les Paul, I haven't seen you in a long time. Thanks for checking in. 
Adrian Schaller. We had Joseph Wren, Discuss Metal Joe, Chad Stevermer, Kale McLeish, Dan Russell. Man, the list goes on. Motley Crue Junkie, Kyle, Crav, all kinds of people. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. We hope you guys had a good time. I know I did. Uh, we will be right back here. Two weeks from tonight, it will be Thursday, February 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I think I know what we're going to be talking about, but I might change it up, so we'll have to see. That is that is my birthday weekend, so I might I might change things up a little bit because I get to pick the topic, so... Uh, I, I may I may battle Brian on a record that he doesn't like, so um, oh, we'll see. <laughs> but, don't um, even t- yeah. please don't make it. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! I'll start writing my one liners now. If, we're, if that's what we're doing, feel free, man. Uh, you know you can't you can't find that record on the streaming services anymore. That's the only Van Halen record they pulled off. I I have, I have no idea what happened, so I, I got to research that and see what happened. Huh. There's a rights thing or something, but um. Uh, look at Gibson Les Paul. Awake deep dive again. <laughs> we'll, we'll re-deep dive the records. <laughs> you just you just want to hear me and Brian argue about gorilla farts and uh and uh space divest. That's all. Yeah. So but yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it, especially all you first timers. Thanks for catching the live show. Um I know some people said that they've been listening for a few months now. Thank you for that support. Uh again, we're here every other Thursday at 7 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to click the like button, the subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Uh, there are going to be times that we go live on weekends if we get some interviews that we are working on uh, with people overseas. So they have a different schedule. So we got to do those over the weekend. So you might have a special show. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel. And uh, Brian, this was a good time. I'm glad that we both had the same best album of 1995. That was good. And, uh, you know. Hopefully your dog stops biting you and you find some drugs to mellow him out to yeah. trim his toenails so your hand doesn't look like you stuck it in a blender. It's doing better. Yeah, I was you know, I was surprised. We ended up with uh we had like two other crossovers I didn't think we were gonna get in there. So that was yeah. cool. You, you as usual, you had some really cool picks and I was like, What the hell is that? So <laughs> you know, the unpredictable nature of your musical taste is always interesting. So uh I guess I will see you in uh two weeks, man. All right, and, buddy. And to the rest of you guys, thanks once again for all the support. We will see you on February 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until that time, carpe diem.